Welcome to the Mama Sisterhood. I'm Heather Evans. When my twins were born at 24 weeks gestation, I began to think about the uniqueness of each of our motherhood journeys. I also began to understand the importance of education and support from other moms, no matter how different our lives may be. Each episode will highlight one mother's journey and the lessons she has learned on this crazy path we call life. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome to the Mama Sisterhood. Welcome back to the Mama Sisterhood. This is a super, super special episode for me today. I am chatting with CJ Shane. Hi, CJ. Hi, Heather. So we have to do just a little brief story about how we actually met. So I'll start out and you can fill things in. So CJ and I met um, 18 years ago in a internship, which was dolphin assisted therapy. So for kids in Key Largo, Florida. So it was the best summer ever. I had just graduated PT school and CJ, you said you were about to start PT school. Yep, correct. I was, I had one year off between undergrad and grad school. Yeah. And so, and I feel like this could be a whole podcast episode by itself, but we spent a summer interning, helping kids, primarily all kids, I think 21 and younger. So of various abilities. And there were physical therapists, speech therapists, occupational therapists, all that work there. And they use dolphins, which was magical. But anyway, so I have known CJ for a very long time and we just recently got back in touch, which is so exciting. And I will let you introduce yourself and your family, but I will say that she has quite the adventure of a story of motherhood. So CJ, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, where you live, what you do, anything you'd like to share. Absolutely. So thank you for having me. I'm very honored. So I am a physical therapist in Richland, Washington. My husband is also a physical therapist. We live in the eastern side of Washington State, which is about three hours from Seattle. Our story dates back, I guess that would be a good place to start. Yeah, why don't you start by telling me like where you, let's let's start with your husband. So how you met your husband and the story there. Yes. So 2011 I had finished PT school in 20, 2009. My best friend in PT school, I went to school in Maine. His name was Travis. Travis had done a clinical rotation in Seattle. And during that time, he met Brandon, Sarah, and Ross. Fast forward, we finished school. Travis goes back to Seattle to take a job. I moved back to Eastern Washington to my hometown and started working there. This was in no nine. Travis and I, for the next two years, would just meet up and go hiking and backpacking. He was my very fun friend. And then he had a world with Brandon, Sarah, and Ross, who I had not met. At some point, Ross, no, Brandon, and Travis had challenged each other to the Ironman Coeur d'Alene 2011. So then I joke that Travis had become my unfun friend because he was training appropriately as he should. And coming to June 2011, I, the night before the Ironman, I was actually at a wedding outside of Yellowstone and was going to do my best to make it to Travis's race. And I showed up wearing a shirt that actually said, will you marry me, Travis? (laughs) And on the back it said, but only if you win, (laughs) because if you know anything about an Ironman, the goal is to just finish intact. Yeah. Um, so I showed up and the boys were, they'd already made the transition between swim and bike. 
And I just showed up on the streets and I met up with everybody that was there to support them. One of them being Ross, who happened to be Brandon's best friend. And immediately I knew like, there's something really special about this guy. His Mm -hmm. energy, his positivity was just contagious. So we ran around the streets of Coeur d'Alene for the next, I don't know, eight to 10 hours. I'm sure some adult beverages were consumed. And then the boys finished. They both did really great. They're just phenomenal athletes. The boys finished. And then that night I had Travis in my car and we were heading to the post party to celebrate Travis and Brandon. And Trav goes, Hey Siege, what do you think about my friend Ross? And I was like, Trav, He's really awesome. He is just so short. Oh, yeah. My husband is not a big man. And there was then a joke that Ross was shorter than me, younger than me, and from the East Coast. So there was absolutely no reason why I would date him. <laughs> and he had a nut allergy and peanut butter honey sandwiches were my favorite food. So again, why would I date this guy? But fast forward um, that night, that next day, Ross left to go to the east coast to meet his family for a family vacation i was actually going to las vegas with my friends because that's what you do in your late 20s and at some point ross and i were texting we just really into each other it was different than any relationship i'd had mm-hmm. it was easy it was fluid there was no tension there was no you know should i text her should i not text her should i wait for me to call it was like full in 100%. And then he was in on the East Coast and I had said, hey, Ross, why don't you change your ticket and come to Vegas? That'll be a lot of fun. And he's like, no, Siege, I can't. My grandmother will kill me. And I had said a comment. It was a joke in my family to pay for grad school, which is expensive, that I would sell extraneous organs on the black market. So like, who needs an ovary? Who, who needs a kidney? Who needs half my liver? And so I had said to Ross, if money's an issue... I'll sell a lung. So of all the body parts that I could pick, I had said lung and Ross got really quiet. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, funny, not funny. I I think you have a sense of humor. And he goes, CJ, you know about that. And I know about what Ross? I I had no idea what he was talking about. And he just goes, I have cystic fibrosis. Is that going to be a big deal? And here I am trying to file through my little brain, my cardiopulm brain from grad mm-hmm. school. Like I knew what CF was, but did I really know what CF was? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, Ross, that's not a big deal. That's fine. I'm totally into this. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's date. And then I got off the phone and I Googled it, mm-hmm. which for all, any medical professional, you know, or anybody in general should never Google a disease or an illness. And I Googled it and I, Immediate, I was like, oh, this isn't good. This is not, this is not a good disease. Mm-hmm. So when Ross was born, longevity was 16 years old. At this point, longevity was about 25. And we were both in our late 20s-ish. Okay. So I want to say I processed it, but maybe I didn't. Because mm-hmm. I just remember thinking to myself, if I get 10 years with this guy, they're going to be the best 10 years of my life. Wow. So that was that. So we started dating. Wow. And we dated, um, I don't know. So September, that was what, June of 2011. In September of 2012, we went on our first backpacking trip. So Ross and I both 
love to be active. Um, being active is what kept, keeps him so healthy with mm-hmm. his cystic fibrosis. It's his best medicine. He will be the first to tell you that. Mm-hmm. He himself had done two half Ironmans um, and he was a collegiate swimmer. Okay. So activity, being physical act- active was mm-hmm. part of our lives. So we went on a trip to Peru. It was our first international backpacking trip in 2012. And we were definitely am- amateurs. <laughs> we made a lot of mistakes, including having to wire money into a third world country. Uh-huh. You learn, learn as you go. Yeah. And by that December of 2012, so he'd been dating like a year and a half, uh-huh. his lung function at one of his CF appointments in Seattle, his lung function had declined okay. maybe to like the eight, low 80s. Okay. So for you and I, we're about 100%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're in the low 80s and it's not where he likes them. So he decided he was going to train for a full marathon. Okay. And neither of us had run much at this time not anything like this. And I told him I would train with him. He was going to raise money for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. I would train with him. And then in April of 2013, he would run a full marathon in Wenatchee, Washington. So we trained, we trained by March. He was like, Siege, why don't you just run it with me? And I'm like, nah, that's not really my thing. No, I'm not really a runner. I, I train with you. It's not really my thing. This is all about you and the CF community. He kind of kept asking and I finally gave in and I said, okay, I'll run it with you. So in April of 2013, we ran the Wenatchee Marathon, mm-hmm. not breaking any records here. I think at some point somebody was even like, hey, what was your guys' time? And I looked up and I said, they time you? <laughs> yeah. That's Does not that why you were doing it? it. No, not at all. But um, right before the finish line, uh, so maybe actually about mile 25, Ross started to cramp. So for him... His nutrition and hydration is a whole new level um, when it comes to being able to succeed at uh, any kind of physical activity at that level. Mm-hmm. So he started, I, he was cramping at mile 25 and I'm like, come on, baby, you got this. Let's do it. And then right at the finish, he went down and I turned around and I thought he was cramping, but he was proposing. Oh, I remember that picture. Yeah. Oh I guess gosh. somebody had been there, a professional, professional mm-hmm. photographer caught mm-hmm. the moment for us because- I I was had no idea, but it was really well, fun. And we'll get into the rest of your story, but with your guys's your stories and how active you are and all the crazy things that you do, I feel like that's the perfect proposal story for you guys because you were outside, you were running, you were. Tra- I mean, I feel like that's just a total match for you guys as a couple. You are, he did he did so a perfect cool. job. Yes, and well, his um so his dad owns a jewelry store in Connecticut. So needless to say, the ring was beautiful. Nice. And Ross had asked and he goes, Hey babe, what do you think about the ring? And I looked at him and I said, it's gorgeous, but I really needed a new pair of hiking boots. <laughs> that sounds so much like you. Yeah. Put things in perspective. Yeah. But it was very sweet. Uh, and it was an absolute yes from the start. That is so awesome. And, and having done marathons and things myself, like without CF, it is such a delicate balance of fluid, electrolytes, calories. I cannot even imagine. I mean, did he just have to, did he have any like dietitian or someone help him or did he just have to trial and error and to figure out what he had to do that was different? Definitely a lot of trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. And he has a nutritionist um, through his CF team of doctors in Seattle that help him along the way to troubleshoot, but most of the part Ross researches uh, and figures it out. That's so amazing. That's awesome. Um, okay. So 
got engaged at the finish line and then take us from there in your story. We got married in October of 2014. Okay. Uh, The fun part of my story is I had two, Ross has two wonderful sisters and I have two men in my life that his sisters were going to be on his side Mm -hmm. of the bridal party. And Mm -hmm. I had two bridesmen along with my people, my women. One of the bridesmen was Travis, Uh who was the reason I met Ross Mm -hmm. because Ross's best friend, Brandon, did the Iron Man with Travis. And then my other bridesman, his name is Scott. And here's some an, a piece of irony. Scott is a little older than me. He was my best friend in undergrad in Missoula, Montana. Scott was originally from Alabama. And he lost his fiance to cystic fibrosis in the 90s. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So by the time Scott had come to Alabama, she had long passed. Well, she had shortly passed. And, mm-hmm. and he was kind of starting over. Mm-hmm. And I just remember him talking about her and cystic mm-hmm. fibrosis. And so then there was a piece of irony there. So Scott was yeah. my other bridesman. Two very like special, him. very special men in my life. Yes. I love that. After we got married, we went on our second big. So we both agreed we really wanted to travel. Mm-hmm. I got married when I was 32. So I didn't have a whole lot of years. And even mm-hmm. prior to getting married, when Ross and I were getting serious, he he had made it very known that he wanted a family. He wanted mm-hmm. to have children. Mm-hmm. And I did not have a maternal drive. I was like, I love you. I love this life we have. I'm good. I don't need to be a mom. Mm-hmm. And he had asked and he said, I need to know that there's just a chance. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him and I said, of course, there's always a chance. Right. There's always, we're changing. We're changing through our 20s and our 30s. I could say that now, who knows, maybe. Mm-hmm. But considering I'm 32, the window there is shortening. Another piece of that is 98% of men with cystic fibrosis do not have a vast difference. Okay. So, so they have sperm. It just doesn't leave their body. Okay. So, so Ross knew at a young age, if he was that 98%, that he would have to do IVF. That okay. was his future. Okay. So knowing to start a family, we knew it was going to be a journey. And seeing that I had just met him ish and we were living our best life. I wasn't ready to go down that road yet. Sure. Sure. So we had a great honeymoon. We went backpacking in New Zealand for a month. I'm so jealous of all your travels. Love the great walks. And I'm so, I just feel so fortunate that Ross was healthy to do it Mm -hmm. all. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, after our honeymoon in New Zealand, another big thing I wanted in life, two, two things that I really felt I'd find success in life is if I had a dog in a garden, those are great things, not necessarily a child, which I feel bad saying that, but no, they, um, so we got a dog and (laughs) this is again, another coincidence that Heather, you and I have, we got Kepler. We named him after the Kepler Trek in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. He's a Pomsky. I didn't know that. He's an F1. So he's half Siberian Husky, half Pomeranian. So he's about 35 pounds. Okay. We'll have to compare pictures later. Okay. I think yours yours is a little smaller. Super Mm -hmm. cute. Yeah. Um, He's now eight years old. Uh Uh-huh. But Kepler was our first child. So honeymoon, Mm -hmm. first child, first dog child. And then we continued our travels. 2016, we did the tour to Mont Blanc, which is a hundred plus miler hike uh, in the French, Swiss, and Italian Alps. Oh my gosh. That was really fun. And then I'm your travels are incredible. 
2017, we decided to, so 2017, we decided to run another marathon because Mm -hmm. we're not. So we did one in North Bend and that's when I feel like maybe I started to finally admit that I'm a runner mm-hmm. <laughs> after the second marathon. So then October, after we did Mont Blanc, that's 2017, I don't know, after our second half full mar- our second full marathon, I did an ultra marathon, a 32 miler mm-hmm. just to challenge myself. Not mm-hmm. that, and I really liked it, especially if it's a trail run. Mm-hmm. If you do any trail running, I feel like you eliminate some of the fast mm-hmm. marathon, kind of a full twenty-six mile sprint versus trail running. You just kind it's of more of the experience. There. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. the journey, the trail snacks, the people you meet, the people you mm-hmm. talk to, and then in November of twenty seventeen, we went to Patagonia. Wow, which was really fun. That's when Ross got a little bit more serious about, hey, CJ. At, the, okay. at this point, I was 35. Okay. And he was like, let's talk about IVF. And for me, there was always one more thing, one more trip, one more <laughs> mountain to climb, one more race to run. I, I just wanted more. Mm-hmm. And they say, and there's that saying, like, there's never the perfect time to start a family. Right. And there's truth in that. Mm-hmm. And there isn't. And I knew that it was, the IVF was going to take a lot of time. So Mm -hmm. I kept saying, I kept bartering for stuff. And he was like, okay. So the next two that I bartered for was we wanted to try to climb Mount Rainier, which is the highest point in Washington state. Mm -hmm. And um, our last big backpacking trip would be Corsica, which is down the spine um, of Corsica, the GR20 in France. So those are my last two. I kind of... (laughs) Put out there for him that was a good deal you made <laughs> so those were going to happen in 2018 so we actually met with seattle reproductive medicine in april to get okay. the ball rolling okay we there is a fertility clinic here in the tri-cities in eastern washington mm-hmm. but to do the transfers and the freezing the banks for the sperm mm-hmm. and the eggs we would mm-hmm. have to go to seattle okay and you said that was a, three hours from where you were about three and a half. Okay. Yeah. And they have another clinic north of us, Spokane, which is two hours north. Okay. We could go there for same day procedures. Well, same day monitoring, whether it was a vaginal ultrasound or labs, if they needed same day results mm-hmm. when you're, when they're monitoring follicle growth, but the surgeries themselves and the transfers themselves would have to be in Seattle. Okay. The doc, our physician would come monthly to, this was pre COVID he would come monthly to Eastern Washington for just consults. Okay. We were able to meet with him here in our hometown and immediately liked him. I know everybody has different experiences mm-hmm. with uh, specialists and he, he was fantastic. And we had an excellent nurse from the start who was remarkably supportive. So we met with him in April and then our first Rainier attempt first being the keyword we went guided it was re- it was such a fun adventure we really needed it because already feeling the stress of fertility mm-hmm. after yeah. laying out you sign up for your package in ours we did not have any fertility benefits with our yeah, we didn't either so you're looking at a very handsome chunk of money mm-hmm. so feeling the stress of that already and we had signed up for our package was would be two egg retrievals. 
However okay. many embryos we got out of that okay. would dictate that was our package. And I think at the end of the day, if we didn't take a, a baby home, we would get a 50% return on our money, okay. which just sounds absolutely awful. Um, but anyway, but so in the IVF world, it's a decent deal because there's a lot yes. where you just don't get anything back. So you hate right. that you have to think about those things as a business, but you kind of do when it's that much money. A- absolutely. And yeah. that's where you just are like, why can't we jump in bed? Right. It's just not create, fair. Create a human. Yes. And mm-hmm. you have to try to remain positive. So we went guided. We took our first time up here. We went guided and mm-hmm. our guide was from Nepal. His name was Jang Bu. He was fabulous. We met two mm-hmm. incredible Canadian couples. And as we got to know each other, we got to, um, we got to base camp, camp mirror, and then we got to high camp. And that night we got hit by, we just got blasted with a huge storm, 100 plus mile per hour winds, our tents oh were collapsed, collapsing. And, and Ross yells out, I don't even know, it was like two in the morning, three in the morning. He was like, no, I need to summit. That's how I'm going to get this human. If oh. CJ summits right near, then, then, then I'll she'll be do all right. yeah. that, that, that was part of the deal. And so we all kind of laughed about that. We were very disappointed. We came down the mountain safely, but, um, we had did not summit. So okay. that kind of still hung out there a bit. And then in July, Ross had his surgery to okay. retrieve his sperm. Okay. And this um, is where I really didn't know a lot about IVF. And I wondered mm-hmm. like, why can't they just take Ross's sperm out and do IUI? Mm-hmm. But then did you guys stopped. have genetic testing. Is that why they had to do that mm-hmm. or? Actually, so that's a really good question, and I did forget that piece. We did do genetic testing at the very beginning of the process okay. just to make sure I wasn't a carrier. Got so it. both of Ross's parents are recessive. Neither of them have CF. Okay. They didn't even know they were carriers. Okay. They had Ross, and he expresses it. So okay. he's dominant. Ross has two sisters. One is actually a carrier, and one is not a carrier. Okay. But he is the only one with CF. But it brings, I at first had said to Ross, again, not knowing a whole lot about the disease, I had said, well, what does it matter if we have a child with CF? Because you have CF and you're amazing and you're healthy and you're wonderful and you've had a great life. We could do the same for a small human. Right. And he went on to explain that people with CF, I think they made a movie about this five feet apart. People with CF cannot be around each other. Because mm-hmm. they all carry what I call just different bugs mm-hmm. and they, they have the potential to make each other sick. Mm-hmm. So they truly should not be around each other. And if there's a CF event outside, they stay so many feet apart. If there's a CF event inside, a lot of times only one person can attend with cystic okay. fibrosis. Okay. So you and could, I, if you had a child with cystic fibrosis and he had cystic fibrosis, okay. that would be really bad. The, okay. the baby, the baby would be sick. Got it. Because Ross has big daddy bugs. Yeah. And the baby just would be so vulnerable to all of that. Yeah, but that then um, for families that have siblings with CF, they grow up together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a family of a few gr- girls. They all grow up together. So it's not as, um, I guess, vital that they stay separated. Okay. They're, they're going to be in the same space anyway. Okay. Interesting. Okay. That all makes sense. But yes. So that is why we got tested to make sure I was not a carrier and I'm not. So 
they harvest, they took out his sperm. And that's where I wondered, well, why can't we just do IUI? Why, mm -hmm. why do I need to do the egg retrieval? But it, it makes sense when they, once they explain it, you're taking out a single cell, you're taking out the sperm. You don't mm -hmm. have any of the semen with it. Okay. So there's, there would be no fluid for it to travel up into me. Got it. So you have okay. the single sperm and the single egg. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. Makes sense. So, yes, it does. Once they explain it. Yeah. So Ross had that surgery in July of 2018. And then we had our trip to Corsica, our two week mm -hmm. backpacking trip where we were completely self-sufficient. So that was a big adventure. And I knew it was kind of our last hurrah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and life was good. And then I was feeling the high of my fitness. So I ran my second ultra marathon in October and that was, that was a 32 miler in Spokane. It was super fun. And that I would say is where we might end the peak of our exciting life until we started to go downhill for a little while. Okay. Okay. So that was 2018. Okay. Um, December of 2018, my dad, he lived in Wyoming. Okay. He had his first stroke. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad stroke. I hate to say that, but it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And Ross and I instantly went down to Gillette, Wyoming to see him and to check on him. And he was in rehab, making great progress and was going to be able to return home. Okay. So that was very encouraging. That was his first stroke. And then we passed into 2019. Mm -hmm. And this is, this was our challenging year. We had planned to do the fir my first egg retrieval towards the middle or end of January. So as you already know, you start everything weeks in advance. You have your mm -hmm. calendar, all of your hormones, all of your injections. Mm -hmm. And the, about Jan January 13th, my best friend Travis passed away unexpectedly. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So that was, it was, I, I just, I don't have words for it. I, I think I still yeah. don't have words, but to be no. completely um, pumped with hormones didn't make it any easier. That's terrible. I'm so sorry. So we ended up traveling in January to Minnesota to mm. say goodbye to Travis. Mm -hmm. And we had to continue with our IVF so Ross was doing it in the hotel room and then actually on the airplane, he would create the sterile field on the airplane tray uh -huh. with all of the stuff to give me the injections wow. to, keep, to keep with it. So oh gosh. that kind of rocked our world. It, it, while fertility is hard, it's also exciting. Mm -hmm. All of the hope and mm -hmm. possibilities and having just lost Travis was very hard. Oh, I can't even imagine. Um, for both of us, Ross was super close to Travis too. And yeah. so moving on, we did the first egg retrieval okay. and I didn't really know like what a decent amount as your follicles grow. I didn't know what mm -hmm. a decent amount of eggs were. Mm -hmm. And I maybe, I think it was like seven or eight, maybe mm -hmm. a few more, but then by the time they inseminate them and then they let them grow for five days. And yeah. then if everything is, is, is going well, then they could transfer on day five, do a live transfer. Mm -hmm. I had 
three embryos out of the first retrieval. Mm-hmm. Three healthy ones. And then they, yep. as they rate them good, fair, or very familiar. And yeah. I was like, well, three, that's, that seems good. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know any different, but we did a, a live transfer five days later. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you do the HCG yeah. tests and one, you do one, what is it? 10 days later. And then one. I forget the number of days. I just know that the numbers are supposed to keep doubling. Yes. Yes. When they keep doing them. Mm -hmm. So we actually were pregnant. That was very exciting Mm -hmm. to have your first transfer uh, result in a pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we told several people, not Mm -hmm. a lot, but we were just so excited. This this is easier than we thought it was going to be. We yeah. got pregnant on the first trial. Yeah. And then I had a miscarriage yeah. in February. So it was early, mm-hmm. early. Still devastating. Though, especially it, after going it, to all those lengths. It is. In every, every transfer is a lot. Yeah. As they prepare your body. So um, after the first miscarriage, we were like, okay, we knew that this was part of the journey mm-hmm. that this could be part of the journey mm-hmm. after that that spring and I don't know what came first my dad had a second stroke mm. this one was a little bit more involved we went back down there and again he was in rehab and he was doing he was doing well mm-hmm. um, trying to figure out if he needed to go to assisted living or if we could get him an apartment he we just weren't sure if he'd get to go home mm-hmm. so trying to figure out what dad's next steps were without ripping like ripping the rug out from under him mm-hmm. I mean, as parents age that's a whole nother another journey to try to um, be empathetic with them mm-hmm. as they slowly lose parts of how they live and who they are yeah. um so dad had a second stroke he wasn't doing great he was in rehab we proceeded with a second transfer and again, we got the positive pregnancy test. So I felt, well, maybe my body's figuring this out. We got this. Mm-hmm. And then I had another miscarriage. Again, it was early before 10 weeks. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty heartbreaking again. Yeah. And at this point, my dad really wasn't doing well. And we made the decision to move him from, from Wyoming to us in Richland, Washington. So he came here, he was at a rehab facility here and we decided to take a, a short break, mm-hmm. short ish. we we just needed to take a break from fertility. Yeah. I was, I was tired of the hormones. I was tired of not feeling like myself. I needed a better handle on what was going on with my dad. I yeah. still maybe needed to mourn Travis. Mm-hmm. It was just a lot. So my husband <laughs> being my husband. He researched mountaineering, bought some books, and instead of trying to go guided again because it's expensive and we're on a budget, we bought the gear and he read mountaineering books. He taught himself how to do all the ropes and the ties. We practiced in the backyard. We would wear our harnesses around the house. And Gosh. we, by July, July of 2019, so my dad's here. He's stable. Mm-hmm. And we would take off for the mountains. And we did, we went to Hood, Mount Hood in Oregon. Mm-hmm. and we were going to just practice roping in. And if we summited, great. If we didn't, it was great practice. We ended up summiting, which was gorgeous. 
Hmm. And we're, we're feeling pretty proud of ourselves. Something, it was a high after all the lows. Yeah. And when Ross and I go hiking or, or climbing trail running, it's our time to process. It's Mm -hmm. our time to talk through everything we're thinking and feeling, but on a side note, we also were in counseling. That's good. And it wasn't, I'm a huge advocate for counseling, whether it's Mm -hmm. through my profession, recommending it for my patients or for my friends. But for us, it wasn't because our marriage was broken. It was because we needed tools to learn how to move forward, how to navigate forward through Mm -hmm. all of this in the healthiest way possible. That's very smart. So counseling was good. So was hiking and mountaineering. Yeah. Yeah. So we climbed hood. We did Adams that same. So this was all in July. We did Adams, which you don't really need to rope in for. We'd done it before. And then our big hurrah was going to be Mount, Mount Rainier. And it happened to be the Canadian couples I had mentioned before that we had gone guided with. They had returned from Canada to try again, but they went guided again. So we said, we are going to do this. We're going to meet them at Camp Mir, which is base camp. We're going to meet them as they come off off of their summit. And it worked out and we did. So we were heading up the mountain, just the two of us. And they had come down off of a successful summit. Wow. So these Canadians were, it was just, they're kind of our cheerleaders. Mm -hmm. they have become very important friends. And um, so Ross and I were at Camp Mir. We headed up at 11 o'clock that night and we summited Mount Rainier, our own little two-man rope team. And again, and it was a lot about Ross's nutrition and hydration. We, as we were heading up to the summit, um, there was a bit of a storm rolling in and I did, I looked at my husband and his lips were blue. I'm like, mm, oh how gosh. is how is your oxygen saturation, Ross? Oh, how scary! And I and I did. I looked at him. I was like, Do we need to turn around? Because yeah. we're at fourteen thousand feet, and uh-huh. you have to, you have cystic fibrosis. I don't I care eat. how healthy you are. But he looked at me, and he, you know, he goes, "F no, we're going yeah. to the top." Yeah. But we did. We got our two person team up to the top. We were the only ones up there because mm-hmm. a lot of guided groups had actually turned around. So we were the only ones up there on the top of Washington state, just the two of us. And Mm -hmm. at that point, it was kind of a pivotal at that point. I think we both knew like we can do anything. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be easy, but so we rode that high for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And now here's the kicker, I guess. (laughs) During this time, June and July, I felt a little off and I couldn't really explain it. I just, I'm tired. I'm stressed. It wasn't really sure what it was, but it didn't feel like me. And mm-hmm. a big part of that was I wasn't pooping mm-hmm. too much information. Mm-hmm. Well, no, that would definitely make you feel off. It, it just, in being a public floor physical therapist. Yes. So yeah. I was just about to say that being <laughs> a public floor therapist, we're very in tune with our body. Mm-hmm. And I was very routinely 4.30, one and done in the morning and I'd exercise and go about life never had any issues with my bowels. Okay. But I had stopped going and it it was a struggle and I felt pressure. And when I would go, it was pencil thin. And then there was at one point a little mucus and, and a little blood and you should, we shouldn't, I know, I know that those were all red flags, Mm -hmm. but I just didn't want to deal with it. Well, and you had so much on your plate already. I mean, that's completely understandable. And like, what are the chances when you're dealing with all of these other traumatic things that you would be dealt one more thing. Correct. And and I did, I thought, well, maybe it's just me coming off of the miscarriages. Maybe my body's just yeah. trying to refigure some kind of homeostasis. Yeah. I don't know, making, I was making a lot of excuses. So by August, 
I I knew I would need to see a GI. I thought maybe I have some kind of inflammation, maybe some kind of IBS. I didn't really know, but I knew I needed to see GI. My primary had just left. So how do you get a referral to GI? Well, you take yourself to the emergency room. Okay. Yeah. You go to the you go to the back door because yeah. I didn't really want to sit on this a lot longer. Not smart. So I went and I walked in and I told the PA from the start, I go, listen, you're going to diagnose me with constipation. Mm-hmm. I get that. I am constipated. There is a lot inside of me, mm-hmm. but there's something else. So can I please just get the referral to GI? And ultimately they did. They did their, they checked their boxes. They did the rectal. They did the x-ray and I have to giggle. The x-ray came back and I think the radiologist wrote, wrote something like an absurd amount of fecal burden. <laughs> Like, yeah, it feels absurd right now. Sounds about right. Yeah. So I was actually not gonna, I got the GI referral. I wasn't going to act on it right away. Mm -hmm. It was my husband who made the phone call to GI and got me in for a consult very quickly. We are in August of 2019 now, got me in for a consult. She, I credit her with saving my life. She listened to me. I went in there. I said, I eat healthy, I exercise, I'm super routine. And she said all those things and she goes, something is not adding up. So why don't, she goes, I'm sure it's nothing, but why don't we just add you onto my schedule Monday for a colonoscopy? Okay, fair enough. At this point, I didn't care what they did. I just needed answers because I was uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, but I didn't think it was that big of a deal. So I did like this crazy 72 hour. I don't know. How old are you, Heather? 42. Question. Okay. Okay. So at this point I was 36 and I did not think I'd have to do a bowel prep till what, 50? Mm-hmm. Something they do. Mm-hmm. Colonoscopy. So I did a, like a 72 hour bowel prep. 72 and, hour? Yeah. Cause I was so backed up and they really wanted to clean me out. Oh so I think gosh. I started on Friday night. And oh, I that's had horrible. Oh, I was hangry. I think I'm pretty sure my husband went hunting or he went yeah. hiking. He went away that weekend because I oh. was not going to be pleasant to be around. Oh my gosh. But so we went in Monday afternoon and I was at the end of our schedule. I don't remember a lot of this because I was kind of loopy coming out of it. Mm-hmm. And she, I just remember she had pulled up a seat for my husband and she had said, I'm 99% sure that this is cancer. Oh. So in the middle of fertility... Oh my and gosh. after miscarriages and with my dad's failing health, and now you're telling me that I might have cancer. So that's really great. Oh my gosh. So that led to a stat working for a healthcare um, system has its benefits okay. and they tend to take care of their own quickly. So Ross and I are both physical therapists for um, a healthcare, for a hospital system here in the Tri-Cities. And I got in for a colorectal consult, I think two days later. He did an in-clinic procedure to check to see where my tumor was. If my tumor was in my rectum, it would change the course of treatment. Mm -hmm. If it was isolated above the rectum, we could go in for a straightforward excision. Okay. And so he did this in-clinic procedure, which normally apparently he does under anesthesia. Oh. But I was desperate for answers. Yeah. And- we did it right then and there. And he said, okay, this is, this is isolated. Um, we did a CT that night. I was admitted to the hospital on Friday and I had surgery Saturday morning. Wow. Yeah. I called it my Demogorgon. I don't know if anybody has stranger things. 
fans, but we call oh, the sorry. No, the- I need to be. That's a whole other story. I I feel like I can't have conversations with people because I haven't seen it. So is it but I'm like sure Yellow, it's like Yellowstone. Are. Have you watched Yellowstone? I'm sure our listeners are, and they won't. Oh, yes. Well, anyway, oh, I'm still sitting here stunned over like my massive tumor is um so we called him my demogorgon they were able to cut it out he and my colorectal surgeon he was great and he just he told me i had a a lot of an excessive bowel which i guess is good so so we cut that, they actually we cut that they out. cut out just the tumor or they cut out that whole part of your colon they cut out a uh 16 inches of my descending colon and then they re- reconnected it okay. created anastomoses so they okay. went in they made an incision similar a low transverse similar mm-hmm. to what a c-section would be okay so we, it was just like, I'm having a surgery similar to a C-section, the irony it's, again, yeah. but it's to take out a tumor and not a baby. Mm. So that was, um, okay. That was that, uh, I did meet, well, sh- so shortly after we'll back up a little, when I was in the hospital, um, I think for about five days after my resection, Ross brought my dad to see me and he just didn't look well. And it turns out he had, well, he had a wound on his left leg and there was an infection Mm -hmm. and we were looking at a left leg amputation. Oh my God. So he'd had two strokes and now I think in the early September he had a left leg amputation. So I spent my short-term disability taking care of my dad, which is a blessing really. Yeah. Um, I was still very able-bodied and I sure as heck could show up for him and it seems like even on my worst day with colon cancer um, was still better than his new life without a leg. Mm. So we worked through that together and um, I did meet with oncology Mm -hmm. and my chance of reoccurrence was low. So no chemo, no radiation. We wanted to proceed with fertility and that was the forward moving plan. Uh, this story so that, I'm just saying so that was here. we had this huge we had this huge high of climbing yeah. Mount Rainier and now this but yeah. we yeah. knew that there was a path forward so mm-hmm. I went back to work in the end of October of 2019 mm-hmm. um, my dad was very stable and then um, middle of November Ross got sick mm-hmm. and when Ross does get sick which is par for the course with his cf he does have frequent ish hospitalizations and Mm -hmm. normally he knows when something's coming on he goes to the ed we know he's going to get admitted for five days he will get discharged with iv antibiotics on in a pick line i mean and and he's he's such a champ he's such a trooper Mm -hmm. he will continue to work with a pick line in his arm you know Mm -hmm. his backpack with his meds he just doesn't let it deter him yeah. and he does what he needs to do. So at this point in, in November, I'll never forget this day. I was still having some GI issues and I, I think my body was just relearning how to, how to process and absorb. And mm-hmm. I just wasn't pooping right. I was having pain, but Ross, I needed, they were going to do a sigmoidoscopy to check my anastomosis site to make sure that there wasn't a blockage. And that was also when Ross started to not feel well. So that night he gave me my first enema and then he took himself to the hospital Wow! and checked in. And then I, that late, late, late night gave myself my second enema, 
My mom picked me up, took me to the hospital to do my sigmoidoscopy and then took me home. And then she took me to the Richland VA because I needed to do some doctor's appointments with my dad. And then she took me home and then she took me back to the hospital because Ross was in the hospital, not feeling well. And this was my life. And this wasn't even fertility. This was just life. And that was on a Wednesday night. And then Thursday morning, I was heading to work. Ross was in the hospital and he called me and he, he could barely breathe. And he was kind of crying, but I don't even think he had the breath to cry. And I couldn't quite understand. And so nurse Helen got on the phone and she said, I think you need to come right now. Oh my gosh. So I was close to my, my clinic is very close to the hospital. I went in, I talked to my supervisor. And at this point I felt like the world's worst employee. I had like so many claims out for FMLA and disability, like my dad's claim, my claim, Ross's claim. There was just a lot. And she just looked at me and she said, go, you know, we'll take care. And I did. I felt horrible for my patients. I had just got back in clinic and she's like, we'll take care of your schedule. Go to your husband. And this time it was different. I got there and he, he was very upset and he could not breathe well. And he said he, he needed to get to Seattle that his he got the best care from his CF physicians in Seattle and it makes sense and at the University of Washington so they moved him um, from a medical floor up to ICU and they had said we need to sedate him and intubate him and this was before COVID so this Mm -hmm. is before people really knew what intubation was Mm -hmm. and it's pretty terrifying not knowing like, is Ross going to come out of this? Is he going to wake up? We joked that we like needed to do a will. And I always had like, oh, my second husband jokes. Mm -hmm. You know, we had, we joke about it, but it was staring us in the face. Mm -hmm. And he just, he, Ross was great. He was directing his own care from his hospital bed because that's who he is. Mm -hmm. And he said, "I, I need to get to Seattle. So we put in motion before they sedated and intubated him, we put it in motion um, to get life light. Mm-hmm. And that night, Thursday night, he so he was his lungs were resting. He wasn't working so hard to breathe. The machines were helping him to do that. The helicopter came, and I, apparently, normally they don't let um, spouses go. And I don't know if that's just the severity of their condition, or it could be a, a weight limit as well depending how much machine, how much machinery they have to take Mm -hmm. and what their flight crew is. There were two flight nurses and a pilot. And I think they took one look at Ross and one look at me and they're like, well, you're not huge people. So they let me go. And I had my little summit sack packed and we, I took my first helicopter ride to Um, Seattle and we got there late that night. And um, Ross was in ICU maybe five days. So what what had turned out is he had a bacterial, viral, and fungal infection. Oh my god, goodness! So he was yeah. hit. He was hit hard, oh. and his body just needed to. And for those who don't know a lot about cystic fibrosis, it's a mucous membrane disorder. So their body just doesn't have cilia to move mucus along to kind of flush our body out, and so mm-hmm. it affects lungs sinuses. Uh, Ross had primarily been affected in his GI. 
So it, they, I guess they're, it's sticky. If you could think of their, Mm -hmm. their inners kind of sticky. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. when bugs get in there, it's hard to get rid of them. So he needed some intimate care from the university of Washington, which he got. And he, when he was discharged, it was, I think right before Thanksgiving, he, his lung function was 59% which was absolutely heartbreaking for him mm-hmm. and me, of course. And I, I remember looking at him in the hospital room and he's holding back tears. And I think he, he felt, is this the beginning of the end? You know, longevity, I think at this point was about 40 years old. And I think he really thought he'd always lived with an expiration date. It sounds so morbid, but um, he was just very, very sad that, is, is this the end? Is, is this, has he peaked? And now is this, his CF going to take a toll? Mm. And we went home and he, you know, he took the, he had the month of December off for disability, which he needed. Mm-hmm. And he proceeded to recover really quickly. He was, he was doing well, didn't bounce back quite like he had in the past. So we knew that this was going to be a longer journey and mm-hmm. we would have to take it slow to get back into running and trail running and hiking and all the things. The um, incredible thing that did happen in December of 2019 is the FDA had approved a couple months earlier, a um, new, new drug called Trikafta which is a triple com- combo therapy drug. I can't talk a lot about it. I'm not too familiar with that whole pharmacological world, but Ross had been on several other generations that helped with his condition. There, there's no cure at this point. It's mostly just trying to manage symptoms. And they came out with this drug Trikafta, which he kind of got expedited to take. And he started it. His sister's actually they were super sweet after Ross had been um, life lighted. They came from Connecticut in December because they just needed to see their brother. Mm. And they were here when Ross took his first dose of Trikafta. Oh, wow. And it has been a game changer. Oh. So it was, it was a drug that we had been praying for. Yeah. So anybody in the CF world, there um, they know about trikafta it doesn't there's different uh, mutations of cf and mm-hmm. not all of them can benefit from this drug but ross certainly did and so he started that in december and that rolled us into the end of december we were like okay do we do we look forward to resuming fertility mm-hmm. in 2020 and in order to do that i needed to be cleared um, by my oncologist. So he mm-hmm. ordered a, he ordered a CT just to put a couple hiccups in there. He mm-hmm. ordered a CT. I had a CT on New Year's Eve and it came back showing a lesion on my liver. Oh, you're kidding. So uh. we at, at this point weren't sure if it was benign or malignant. I had had a PET scan that was, that was negative, which was fabulous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then we joke that life goals, they took my case to the tumor board so they could discuss what wow. it was. And then I, I, I did end up having a, t- a liver biopsy and it was benign. So oh. that was a huge re- relief. So oh then we did get cleared. We got cleared to pursue fertility and maybe that would be our adventure in 2020. I feel like your whole story, I feel like my blood, my blood pressure, like I can feel it like spiking up, coming back down. 
spiking up, coming back down. I can't believe this. Oh, okay. So we are actually going to break this into a two-part episode just because CJ's story is so it's it's like you do everything like an adventure like you have all these grand like traveling adventures but unfortunately the medical part was kind of an adventure too but because it's been so complex we're going to break it into a two-part series so we're going to end part one here today but come back and check out next week which will be part two of cj's story um with I'll give a very small spoiler alert that there is a happy ending to this. So um, yeah, so join us again next week as we continue to chat with CJ. Thank you, Heather. Thanks for joining us today on the Mama Sisterhood podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any extraordinary motherhood journeys. Also, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second to rate and review. This helps me reach more moms. See you next week.